Greetings and welcome to Mysteries of the Mornland. Mysteries of the Mornland is a level up, advanced 5th edition actual play horror podcast set in the world of Eberron. As a horror podcast, listener discretion is advised. You can find a full list of content advisories in the episode description. Again, listener, welcome. We are excited to have you. Kingdom Year, 894, the king of Galifard dies. His children dispute the next ruler's succession. Thus begins a bloody civil war, which torments the continent for a century. 965YK, the war between the five nations escalates with the invention of artificial people called Warforged. House Caneth sold these living weapons to any party with enough gold. Alleran 20th, 994YK An unprecedented blast of magical energy utterly devastates the nation of Kyre, turning it into a haunted hellscape known as the Mornland. The surviving nations organize large-scale ceasefires, fearing they might be next. 996YK The Treaty of Thronehold brings the last war to a formal close. Political maps are redrawn. The Warforged are given their rights. The treaty enshrines a body of international appointees to investigate the events of the Day of Mourning. This group is called the Allaroon 20 Commission. 998YK The commission convenes in Sharn, the City of Towers, for the final preparations. The investigation begins as they set off to investigate the mysteries of the Mornland. Rook was born in Breland in 976YK, while the last war still raged across the continent. Their mother, a changeling woman named Lynette, left to fight when Rook was young, leaving them to the care of their father, a reclusive tinker named Eli. When not helping out in their father's shop, they spent their time getting into trouble with other local kids, and it was here that they discovered the first breezes of the Gale Force magical potential dwelling within them. Combined with their existing reputation as a miscreant and their changeling heritage, 
This made Rook an especially frustrating child to raise. Their father, tired of hearing about his child's problems, started searching for a more productive outlet for Rook, and in these searches discovered work for the fledgling mage and providing effects for a local theater. Rook's curiosity about the opportunity gave way to an abiding love for the performing arts. From their vantage point backstage, Rook often memorized actors' lines, hoping to one day find a chance to act themselves. The opportunity came one night when an actor for the night's show fell ill, and Rook offered to step in. The performance was amateurish, but the stage manager saw potential in Rook, and kept them on board as a fill-in actor. Over several years, they would move up from local theater to take their show on the road with a traveling troupe, the Gleeman in Gold. Eventually, the troupe's talents attracted the notice of House Fjarland's Guild of Entertainers and Artisans. The catch only came when Rook met with a contact to seal the deal, and discovered that, in exchange for bankrolling the Gleeman, the Guild wanted Rook to provide services as an informant using their unique skill set to pry for information from locals as they traveled across the continent. Without hesitation, Rook agreed, more than happy to perform a little subterfuge in exchange for House Fjarland's coin for their troop. However, these jobs have only grown in difficulty since, and now Rook finds themselves frequently in over their head and struggling to do what's asked of them. One night, a few weeks after a botched meeting led to Rook passing along bad intel, they were called to meet with their contact. What Rook assumed was the end of their patronage instead turned into their most momentous job yet, to join an expedition into the dreaded Mornland. More chilling than the letter containing the mission details was the look in the messenger's eyes, which seemed to say, return triumphant or not at all. Though Rook refuses to let it show, they fear they were only chosen for this twenty Allerun commission as a deniable asset, or worse, that they've been hopelessly overestimated in their abilities. Only time, and the mounting pressures of the task before them, will tell. Syntek was born in Zalargo. His father, Alston, was an artisan, and his mother, Sima, a healer. He naturally took to his father's trade and became passionate about invention and design. When his parents went to war, the adolescent Zintek was entrusted to a collective of Zil artificers to master the traditional gnomish trade. Near the end of his apprenticeship, Zintek received a letter from the Braylish army saying that both his parents had died on the front lines. He immediately decided to join the war effort, but... Syntec's artificer mentors were bitter to see their most talented pupil quit, and they refused to expedite his graduation paperwork. Undeterred, Syntec enlisted as a frontline wandslinger for the Braylish military. Zalargo was still a protectorate of Brayland at the time. The military quickly recognized Syntec's talents and promoted him to weapons officer, charging him with artillery maintenance and weapons development. Having that cutting reputation that gnomes do, Syntec was also deployed at times behind enemy lines to sabotage enemy equipment and steal their secrets. Although Syntec thrived in the high-pressure environment, the horrors of war weighed heavily on his heart. Through much of it, his only companion was his homunculus, Fetch. Many a late night, 
The only way a homesick Syntec could fall asleep was by recounting to Fetch his fond memories of his parents, childhood, and his fallen companions. Upon hearing word of the day of mourning, many soldiers immediately quit their posts and returned home, Syntec included. He returned to his mother's village and joined the local committee negotiating Zalargo's independence. In time, he continued his career as an artificer by becoming a licensed member of the Tinkerer's Guild under House Caneth, a more peace-abiding means for expressing his talents. One thing still keeps him up at night, though. Syntec cannot for the life of him piece together the mystery of the Mornland. No matter how many newspaper clippings he strings together or however many whispers he hears through his network of gnomish friends. Syntec reasons that the Day of Mourning had the power to end the last war, so the same force has the power to begin the next war, a notion which chills Syntec to his very bones. As the powers of Zalargo consolidate, it becomes increasingly clear that Syntec can do his part in keeping the peace by doing some good old-fashioned field research, and House Caneth is all too eager to sponsor his investigations. Shethrazar Sharksani Virath, or as his comrades have come to call him, Sheth, was born in 955 YK, a dragonborn child of Kabara. In his community, he was taught to be resourceful, hunting and gathering basic needs from the jungle, to be militant, combat ready to face threats at any moment, and to be devout, giving praise and worship every day to the distant ancestors who granted the dragonborn their gifts, the dragons. Sheth grew up hearing tales of the ancient battles that dragons had fought against mighty fiends. So when he became an adult, he set out west to honor the legacy of his ancestors. He traveled across the continent, hunting the demonic cults and undead hordes drawn out by the chaos of war. During these travels, he came to know the followers of the Church of the Silver Flame. Far from home, he found familiarity in the religious devotion of these people and particularly in their militant mission to protect the world from supernatural evils. He set up a home in Thrain, and there, the priests of the church taught him to channel the divine power of the silver flame, and by extension, his draconic ancestors. He returned to the world a cleric of the Tempest, a soldier of Thrain, and a Templar of the silver flame. Sheth spent over a decade as a soldier collecting war stories and military accolades, before finally retiring from combat in 992 YK. But two years later, the morning destroyed Kyre, and from then on he found himself plagued with visions of darkness and corruption. Visions that drove him to take up his weapons and resume his hunt for servants of evil. Now, after years of circling the ruined nation, it has become clear that the answers lie within. So, when Sheth heard of the 20 Olarun Commission, he beseeched the Church of the Silver Flame for approval to join the commission into the Mornland. The warforged who became known as Van was never afforded a true upbringing. Indeed, he hadn't even had a name before he was thrust into the battlefield, fighting alongside hordes of Carnathi undead and fellow Warforged. Over time, he realized he was part of a company of Warforged sold to Carnath. 
His company served along the undead as the vanguard of the battlefield. Vanguard. He liked the sound of that. Eventually, he took it as his own name. Even further along, he shortened it to Van, at least to his fellow Warforged. War was all Van knew, and he was damned good at it. Countless battles, skirmishes, and even a campaign in the Iron Root Mountains earned him a leadership role amongst his fellow Warforged. It was purely a symbolic role. The Carnathi generals quickly taught him that only Karn's lives were of importance. For a time, Van fully believed that. Until he met Mace. Mace was another Warforged that was part of a new company sold to Carnath. Van was initially put off by their disposition. Compared to his reserved nature, Mace was far more outgoing. One of their first interactions exposed Van to the concept of sarcasm. Fascinated by the experience, Van spent more time with Mace in between battles. While with them, he began experiencing other sensations for the first time in his life. Laughter, warmth, comfort, longing, even joy when Mace told them they felt the same. He also learned how grief felt. An enemy general's ruse led Van's company into a field littered with blast discs. As they erupted around him and threw him from his mount, Van saw one explode under Mace. When the dust settled, all that was left of Mace was a small, ruined portion of their forehead. Days later, the Treaty of Thronehold was signed, ending Van's service to Carnath. The years following the war were not kind to Van. He wandered aimlessly, an emptiness inside him where Mace once was. Without them, the rest of this was meaningless. Eventually, he regressed and joined a mercenary band, the Gilded Sentinels. The bliss of the battlefield was all that calmed him. The leaders of the Sentinels noticed and quickly promoted him to leading their own vanguard. Only now, Van led both Warforged and men. Eventually, the Sentinels' notoriety caught the eye of King Caius III, who hired them on as security for the realm. The Sentinels' position afforded them a network of informants to keep current on state matters. Attending company meetings, Van began hearing whispers of a war-forged cult leader resigning in the Mornland. The Lord of Blades, they called him. Allegedly, he knew of a hidden creation forge, the last of its kind. Van reached into his pocket and felt the small rune in it, all that was left of Mace. The forge, if it existed, could create new war-forged, no? Could it even bring one back from beyond? Van knew he had to find out. Even a 1% chance would be worth everything. When King Caius mentioned Karnath joining an inquiry into the Mornland, Van quickly volunteered to his superiors to serve as their representative on the commission. Given his track record, they quickly agreed. A strange feeling arose as he left the meeting room, something he hadn't felt in years, something he only felt when talking of the future with Mace. Hope.
Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Mysteries of the Mornland. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you like what we do and want us to keep up the good work, check out our Patreon. There are a variety of backer levels and rewards, and patronage of any size helps us keep the podcast up and running. The song you're listening to is Collision by Derringen, which we found on ocremix.org. You can find the information on all our music in the episode description. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you again next time. 